Mambo Vipi, what's happening? My name is Aniko Owoko and I am a lover of art, culture and everything African. And here we grant you front row access to your favorite celebrities, creators, the biggest personalities and industry experts. Come with me, you're now a VIP. When was the last time we had that salamu? The person sitting next to me just took me back memory lane and I'm so excited to be hosting this specific individual. She's a superstar. She's one of the forerunners when it comes to DJs in the Afro house scene. I mean, in Kenya and around Africa, you might have enjoyed her collaboration with DJ Spoo, I'll Be There, and many other collaborations that she's done globally. It's such an honor to meet this fantastic singer, songwriter, composer, and she's also a DJ, Tina Adore. What's up, girl? <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, I'm feeling uh, excited, you know, feeling excited. Thank I'm you so, so much. I'm so excited that you're here and, you know, you look beautiful. Oh, thank you. So do you. Gosh, I've been, <clears throat> you know double tapping socials all the time. It's an honor for me to be here. It's an honor for me to have you and I also want to thank you so much for making it possible for me to interview DJ Sbu who was on VIP Access the last two episodes. You know, he gave me probably one of the best interviews I've had since I could remember. You know, he's just such a persona and such energy and you brought DJ Sbu to VIP Access so I thought it would just make sense for us to have our own episode because he was insisting. He was like, I come and say something (laughs) (laughs) and we already had such a long interview so I I just thought it would be nice to have you come back for our own conversation so welcome thank you so much (laughs) today is all about you she's she's like uh, freaking out (laughs) no but it's it's gonna be dope it's gonna be dope so those who are listening you know I always try to paint a picture you know the kind of person who's sitting here with me who is she what has she done so Tina's voice I always say don't take for granted small people. You know, short shorties, don't take them for granted because yes. they're such buddies and they're so powerful because when you hear her sing, you wouldn't believe this voice is coming from, you know, this young girl. But she's a powerhouse, so, you know, it's the voice, but then it's the DJing in a space that you rarely see DJs in the Afro house scene, so I appreciate you. You know, when it comes to festivals like Beneath the Baobabs, Kaleidoscope, Gondwana, she's there representing with Kina Shimza, with Kina Fuzax, Kina Suraj. So it's just such a wonderful thing to see this young woman, you know, existing in this space, enjoying it, and she's super talented talented and she does it all you know when she's performing on stage she's you know DJing then she's performing she's uko singing damn you're so dope girl you're so dope thank you so much you are so dope this is your time this is your time I feel like this is Tina Dore's time yeah to shine you know to speak to be seen to be heard I feel like I'm still getting used to the attention I think since my collaboration with DJ Spoo it's like quadrupled I swear it's quadrupled till this moment and while yes it's a huge blessing and I appreciate it and I'm still trying to take it all in because I'm not used to it but I'm still trying to take it all in I have a beautiful and amazing team amazing manager who's always there for me he doubles up as my counselor because <laughs> he's always like Tina if it's too much just you know put your phone down give me a call or something like that but yeah I give thanks to God for everything that I've done since I began in 2017 with my work. 
Can we talk about that? Since you began professionally in 2017, but music and art was something that has been very close to your heart from a young age. Yes. I think some people take it somehow for granted. I don't know. But for me, music is something I picked in two parts. So one was in school music festivals, drama festivals, and stuff like that. You're flourishing uh, over there. <laughs> yeah, There's no way I'd go into the competition and not go all the way to the nationals. It was such a no-brainer for me. It was just like, yeah, see, we're going to get this number one. <laughs> so obvious. I didn't know how important it was or how much it would be ingrained in my DNA so much. But it was for years. And I only started in, like, what, class five? I was so small. I'm small right now, I'm so small. Now that trying my best. <laughs> my mom. But anyway, class five, older class eight, and then high school. Unfortunately, high school, I only went for one year. <clears throat> Thanks to my high school. I'm not name dropping. Anyway, but the day I also realized, that's why I had composer in my description. The day I realized I'm also a composer is when, you see the way in school you have houses. So you have inter-house music competition and drama. I did a composition in four different languages. So it was in Kikuyu, Kamba, Swahili, Toluo, and something else, yes. And I trained my housemates, because you're like 80 of you or something like that. I trained my housemates. Everybody sang in those four languages. Because for me, music festival was about singing different vernacular and performing it to your best and, you know, telling that African story, which to me, honestly, was such a thing, and it got into my brain so much. Like, I can tell African stories in the vernacular, telling about, so this is a song, as a wedding song, it's a song for circumcision, things like that. And so I composed this song in four languages, and it was such a no-brainer that it became number one during that. And I sat back, I was like, hmm, that was dope, you know? And to realize how good it was is, you walk into the washroom and then you just hear someone starting to sing a piece of the song and you're like, so people actually, you know, got it into their heads and stuff like that. That was actually in like Form 3, I think, so when I did that. But as much as I didn't get to do it in Form 4 and stuff, I was like, Ipo siku, nitamaliza this high school. You know, I'll finish this high school and I'll go back to what I love doing. And I cleared high school and I went to campus. And I don't know, I think God just put the path for me. I found myself getting into music groups and stuff like that. So the other part that introduced me into this is my brother, my big brother, MGM. Of course, of course, who's also quite, you know, known, celebrated in the house and I'm a piano music scene. Yes. He's a producer. Yes. He has his EP out. Yes. He's a media personality, mm -hmm. a trace. Yes. So MGM, my big brother, people don't believe that he's my brother, but he is my brother. We share the similar DNA. Anyway, <laughs> So he used to come to school for visiting days and stuff like that. And he would bring new music that's out because he was either in high school or had finished high school by the time I'm still in boarding school. So he'd come to school. Maybe he's bringing me what? Medicine, for example. Then he'd come with his earphones and say, yo, check this out. And I remember those days at some point, I have this fresh memory when Camp Mula were just starting off. Man, I used to listen to that music. I'm like, this music is beautiful like it's amazing and to realize these are young people i was just inspired i was like i want to be like them you know something like that and he kept doing that and then we both got introduced to house music by our late cousin wesh who was in south africa who was also a dj and so every time he came home he used to come with the cds with quieto music in them and mixes so he used to share it with my brother and my brother used to share it with me and we got into that whole revolution of 
EDM to quite to, to Afro house now and now the whole house music genre. And my first project was a song that MGM himself actually gave to me. I remember I was complaining to my other brother, Gabriel, that there is a certain group I was working with and they weren't doing what I was telling them to do, which I knew would work for them. And I was complaining. I was like, yo, these guys are not doing this. They should have done this. And he got tired and he told me, you know what? Stop complaining. Just do your own thing. And I was like, for real? Okay, fine. Less than a week later, my big brother, MGM, sent me a song. That was my first song. We did MGM, Mike Mwema, and myself is called Furahia. I'd never recorded a song before, but I decided, you know what? Let's wing it. I recorded on it and we put it out. Oh my, the reception for that song was amazing. And that's when people started noticing me out there. People started, who is this? Who is this? Who is this? And man, it's been a journey and a half up to this point. I'm recording with big names. I'm just like, it still feels like a dream. But I thank God for it all. That is my short and long story of how I got into recording as a recording artist. Yeah. How did you get into DJing? That's what fascinates me so much. I don't want to say they're not, you know, female DJs because there are very many. I think they're not known. So a lot of them are performing maybe smaller events, but there are quite a lot yeah. now. Yeah. But then, obviously, in the Afro House scene, like, I haven't seen other female DJs. There's also probably others, maybe you know. Mm -hmm. But then how did you even get into DJing? And So yeah. DJing, and this is uh, my best friend from high school, Stephanie, reminded me that even from high school, I used to DJ in my head. So I'd be walking from lunch, and I'm just doing mashups in my head. I'm just like, hey, this song could go with this one. Hey, what do you think of this one? What do you think of that? And so... I got into DJing in 2020 officially as a result of necessity. Why? Because as a vocalist, and this is something that we share as a vocalist around Africa, you know, the Lizzie's the CEO and stuff, we had been talking and it, it was difficult to book vocalists for a gig because promoters didn't see the value in booking a vocalist or something like that. I didn't understand it quite. And so because DJing was something that, I was interested in, in my head, just like playing around with the idea. I decided, you know what, if this is what's going to give me gigs or give me performances, give me a chance to perform and show guys, yo, this is what I'm doing. This is what you guys should be listening to and stuff. I decided, you know, I might give it a shot. Mm. And I remember I got a pair of decks from Kral Africa by Huma Kaseu. He had access to decks by Native Instruments. And so he actually helped a lot of DJs because he used to give out to DJs, go practice, go practice, go learn, go practice. So I was one of those. I was like, can I have decks? Okay, cool. So I was in the house. And also, of course, there's my big brother, MGM. He's also a DJ. He's been doing it way longer. And I was kind of doing what I was seeing him doing with these decks. I remember there's a guy, he's called Ayenga. He used to have, you know, that was COVID time. So we used to have those underground bushes. <laughs> <laughs> he booked me even before I learned how to play. He was like, the day you learn how to play, come through. You're booked You're already. Booked. And I was like, oh my God, you know, like, <laughs> I was sweating. I was like, oh my, will I be, be able to face the people and stuff like that? And then eventually I just called him up and said, I'm ready. Let's do this. And I remember that gig, and I know many people who were there remember that gig like it was yesterday because it was fire. Because I already had that catalog of music all house music all sung in different vernacular and then now i'm here i'm playing both dope music and my music and i'm singing to it 
guys were blown. And then that was the day that everybody decided to attend that event. Like, it was so packed. I was so scared, but it was amazing. It was so proper. And since then, again, guys noticed, started calling me up. Yo, we're going to book you here. We're going to book you here. And I was like, I mean, if that works and I'm enjoying sharing the music because I still do DJ charts on like different platforms like Track Source and, and Beatport and playlists on Spotify. So I was like, huh, I might as well play my charts and my playlists live to people and people still enjoy to this moment. And it excites me to do that. Oh, yeah. So exciting. So exciting. Oh, my God. So which one do you pre do not prefer, but which one do you enjoy the most or you just enjoy mashing it all up together? Uh, it depends. I think it depends. I don't like, okay, I don't want to say I don't like singing in all the gigs, but yes, I prefer not to sing in every other gig, like if especially if I have consistent gigs happening. I prefer to, you know, make it specific for this is a gig that I want to perform with vocals. This one, I just want to rock it and just fire with people, you know? <laughs> so that's for me. It really depends on the gig and how I want to deliver the music to the people. Mm. Yes. So you were quite, you know, celebrated, especially among the Afro house lovers and all these gigs I spoke about, like Beneath the Baobabs, Kaleidoscope, Gondwana. You know, you played at Gondwana a couple of times. Mm -hmm. Even last year, there was a really dope event that was at the African Heritage House. So what's the kind of experience when you're, you know, playing at this venues you know when you have people who've been following tina from day one you know when you have people who love the genre that you love yeah. you know love your sound what's just the relationship you have between you know performance stage and the audience one assurance i always get that i played a good set is the aftermath like you're done playing and the ripple effect of compliments and yo 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 tina yo that's what i usually get in my brain i'm like so that was a good set. Like, I don't even have to get it from the promoter. I don't have to get the compliment from the promoter. As long as I get it from the crowd, like after my set. Because you find four weeks later, somebody's still telling you, yo, that set from when was, was fire. It was fire. And I'm like, huh. So you can still remember what I played. And so for me, I remember when Gondwana hit me up. Uh, for the first time, I was scared. I was like, I say what? <laughs> <laughs> I would be scared. <laughs> it's Gondwana. You know? And then for Gondwana, they're the type of people to, when you're debuting, they'll probably put you at prime time. So they gave me prime time. You know? Eight. That's dope. That's a really dope curation, but again, very scary at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Especially because we always had this image of Gondwana is the, of which they have created a precedence for years and I hear people who never used to like house music that, are you going for Gondwana? I'm like, since when did you like house music? Like, so I respect them for that part. And so when you hear, yo, come play. The first time I went there, I was shaking, but hey, I pulled through, <laughs> I did. And guys had fun. And I'm glad that I got to do also the live vocals and stuff. Guys had a blast. Tina, you are just so amazing. You know, congratulations for everything that you have done and continue to do. Let's talk about the global presence. You know, even before the collaboration with DJ Boo, you've had some key collaborations, you know, with other artists from Italy, from the UK, mm -hmm. from, I think, Mozambique. Yeah. 
and so on and so forth. So tell me about these collabs and how they helped, you know, just grow Tina's music yeah. because you're one of those Kenyan musicians who I feel we need to make more noise about because you have had this major global accomplishments which some Kenyans even or East Africans might not know well. I mean, you were ranked number 224 out of 500 of like top artists in the EDM scene, you know. So those kind of things, you know, make me so proud and you know, just makes this podcast make sense. Yeah. As I said, after my first project, Furahia, it was called Furahia, I started getting noticed by people. And the biggest platform that houses uh, house music is Traxos. And so you get house heads in Traxos so much. So as soon as you upload your music and it's doing well on Traxos, you get attention. Mm. And so that's what was happening with my second and third songs that I got out. People on Traxos were looking like, hey, who's this vocalist? Because guys are there to buy music. It's like mm. an iTunes. Guys are there to buy music. And so I started getting guys from SA reaching out to me, guys from Morocco reaching out to me. And I was just like, yeah, cool, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it, let's do it. And the more I collaborated with these guys, the more I got noticed because they have their own markets as well. I got noticed by more and more people and where, I don't know which part of this world, I don't know, I'm yet to reach. But like, I know I have done America, like, you know, I'm an NR of Pascal Records, which is based in US. I'm a very good friend of the label boss, Mr. Eclectic. He loves my work. He was like, yo, Tina, man, let's just work, you know. He trusts my ear when it comes to curation and stuff like that. Worked with Cairo in the most interesting way. But I worked with Cairo. This year, you'll be expecting a new name is PPCS. He's currently based in Bali. I might go to Bali. <laughs> we'll see about that. <laughs> but yeah, so all these names, like, and the internet just makes it feel like it's all in the palm of your hands. You mm -hmm. can talk to anybody. People mm -hmm. just hit my DM up and, you know, let's do this, let's do that. For me, it's about the vibe. Whatever you give me, first of all, does it slap? It has to slap. Because the more it slaps, the more I get inspired immediately and I sing to it immediately. And I enjoy singing in vernacular, as I had mentioned earlier. This is something, as I said, I picked up from primary school. And I realized if I could sing in all this vernacular in primary school, why not transcend this into recorded music that goes global? Because we are used to listening to Zulu music, Kwaito, and, and all that South African uh, lingos and music. And I'm like, but East Africa, we've got like, what, over 40 languages? Come on, guys. That's why my tagline is transcending East African narratives to the world. And I try to sing traditional songs from Kikuyu land, traditional from Luo land, traditional from Luya land, and all that stuff. And I bring it out to the global stage. And it's worked perfectly. Funny thing is, guys out there think I sing in Swahili only. But I'm like, all those are like four different languages or five different languages. But it's amazing because people have told me they don't understand what I'm singing, but they feel what I'm singing. And I try to bring out that spiritual aspect in everything that I sing. Mm -hmm. Life stories, traditional music and stuff like that into my music. And mm -hmm. it's worked well so far. And I know my collaboration with Spoo was my first official song in English purely in English, like from start to the end. And I mean, I got motivated to know, oh yeah, I can actually do this in English, you know? <laughs> I can actually do it in English, because 
I know someone somewhere back in the day discouraged me in yeah. a way to sing in English. But, I, but once I did this song, I was like, oh, what? guess what? I can do it. Listen, I love that. This is the reincarnation of, uh, you know, our original roots, you know, our original heritage, you know, languages. It's like, for some people, English comes first in their minds, but, you know, inherently our traditional languages definitely came first. Mm -hmm. So, to hear that you've managed to create, you know, your career using traditional languages, Kenyan Mm -hmm. languages, is something so phenomenal, like kudos yeah so i i try to keep doing that and and so you have to like study the different languages and definitely talk to other people Mm -hmm. who are from those tribes to tell you if you're pronouncing properly exactly it's a lot of work it is because the truth is i cannot speak these languages i cannot but what's my goal my goal is to transcend this narrative because i know this song is gonna go on a global stage european market american market asian market Hey, it doesn't have to always be Zulu or whatever. Yeah. How about let's just maybe there's Kenyans in diaspora listening to this and they're like, eh, eh, what? You know, yeah. somebody maybe has attended a Tomorrowland somewhere and then they hear Kikuyu there. Like, you know, that mm. effect. And so, yes, the processes can become hectic, but I'm trying to ease into it. I speak to my friends mostly, you know. You listen to a song. And because, you know, we have been raised around all these languages, so we know all the intonations, how they sound oh, like, you know, how they sound like. And so you listen to a song and there's a certain groove you get in your head and you feel like, oh, this would sound nice in this lingo. So you write it, you translate it. And in the translation, you have to figure out how to say it perfectly. And so that's where the process comes in. But somehow I've found myself reducing my time of recording. My contracts long time were like, give me a month <laughs> to figure this out. No, this is like, ah, two weeks, I'm done. You know, figured it out and stuff like that. I love the fact that guys are accepting it and Kenyans are actually proud of, you know, this thing where we are pushing our own cultures out there through house music, which is a global language and people are enjoying it. And it's time for, you know, as we said, it's time for Africa to rise and yeah. speak out and tell their stories out there. Mm. That's what I'm trying to do every day. Such a pro, such a pro. Who are the ladies in your scene, Afro House, especially DJing? I actually haven't seen any, but are there some that we should know of? Yes, well, there's the veteran herself, <laughs> DJ Ivy. Of course. Yes, DJ Ivy is a proper DJ. As much as she can do all African genres. Yes, yes, yes. She's good in Afro House. She's good in... Um, I'm a piano, yeah. especially. We have Vidza. She's also yes. a veteran. She is, is it Vidza related to um, Olivia Mbani? Yeah. Yeah, I think I they're think cousins. <laughs> I think so, yeah. yeah. I used to think they're sisters. I don't know. Yeah, why. there's but a resemblance. Exactly, yeah. so they're cousins. There's Vidza. And again, she is now the veteran when it comes to females in DJing, in house music. She's got residency in Muse. She plays... Almost all Gondwanas, all whatevers. So there's Vidza. There's she. She is. <laughs> she, she. Yeah, she. she. Uh, not she, she. There's she, she. There's she, she. Not... And then there's she. Okay. That's S-H-I. Who is also a dope DJ when it comes to house music. I respect her, the way she curates her mm. sets and stuff like that. There's also upcoming one like Leleti. Leleti is a househead like mad and she's always followed my stuff and always been inspired with my stuff and she and her husband are DJs. Ooh. Yes, so they have this what a combination. Yes, they have this <laughs> cute duo that they usually do together. 
And so, yeah, she's one of those. There's uh, Muthoni. Mm-hmm. There's an event, actually, mm-hmm. called Sirens. It's by Ivy, I think, and she. And it's for ladies doing house music. Mm. I mean, th- that space, I love it, because they called me for one of the gigs last year. So dope. Woo-wee, the vibe is mad. It's amazing. And kudos to them. Uh, congratulations to them. I-, I love the movement, and I wish they just keep on pushing, man. Like, That's so dope. Really dope stuff. That's sort of. So 2024, you talked about, you know, major collabs still coming. You might be traveling to different parts of the world yes. to collab with, you know, those who want to collab with you. Yes. What else should we look out for? More music, of course. Yes. More music. EP, for sure. Mm-hmm. But mainly more music, more performances, bigger collaborations. I'm even scared to, like, you know, put it all together in a statement. But yes, more music, for sure. A lot of creativity. You know, because as artists, we are not done. As a creative, you're always transforming yourself, showing yourself in a different light and Mm. all that stuff, as long as it's, you know, just flowing organically Mm. and stuff like that. So, yes, 2024, more creativity, more music, more visuals, all that stuff, for sure. I mean, more power to you, girl. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming to VAP Access. Thank you so much. That was the amazing Tina Dora. I feel like I'm not done with this interview, even though we're done. So we definitely, I definitely want to have a part two when, you know, the journey keeps unfolding. For sure. I just want to, you know, thank you so much for your contribution in the Afro House and just in the music industry period. And even in the, you know, lifting our languages. So that's something I'm very proud of and you are very proud of. And we applaud here at VAP. Access. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> I'm so excited still. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, and all so the much. best. We'll keep listening to Tina Dora Music. Please follow her on her social media channels. VAP Access is capping off with this amazing composer, musician, DJ, and just all-round cool personality. Next week, I'll be back with yet another amazing individual. Bye. Bye. <laughs> VIP Access Season 4 is proudly supported by the Australian High Commission.